You never know panic until you realize the sky is telling you the world is ending and you're excited about it. Well, maybe excited isn't the right word. Prepared, maybe, or just anticipating. We've been waiting for what feels like weeks and it's finally time. Crow and I are walking to the mist to retrieve the time orbs before we head back to 11th hour. It feels so weird. What does? It's just, I remember things how they used to be, but I don't remember them changing, just that they were different. I can imagine how difficult that would be. You have no idea. We're silent until we reach the mist, and after I retrieve the last of the time orbs, we're silent for most of the walk back. I can't blame him for not wanting to talk. It's been a hard few days for us all. I can't imagine feeling like everything you know is a lie. Once we get to 11th hour, I place the orbs on the counter. We all stand on either side of the counter and look at the colorful balls of precious material and magic. Okay, starting at noon, we can start placing the orbs out. Once we've placed one, the town will start trying to stop us, so we should all go in pairs. Taryn and Oletta, you place the blue one on the fountain in Circle Square. June and Chrome, you place the red one at Dottie's. April and I will place the black one here in 11th hour. Once you've put your orb out, come back here and we'll figure out who will place the last two. We all turn to our partners as if to say, this is a nightmare and it sucks that we have to do this, but I'll stick with you through it. Or, you know, something like that. One last thing. For some reason, Taryn is the only one who can hold the time orbs, so everyone else put these on. She pulls out several pairs of what looks like velvet gloves. They're made from a highly dense, magic-resistant fabric. Holding the time orbs while wearing these should not affect you. Where did you even get these? Well, Oleg had some in storage, but the rest I just bought at Costco. That makes sense. They had a really good deal on buying dirt and chicken broth lotion in back this week. So these gloves will let us touch them? See for yourself. No one seems to breathe as April reaches for the black time orb. She picks it up without a problem, and we all let out a collective breath. Okay, we're ready. Lena nods. Let's save Springshard. Olita and I stand in the crowd in Circle Square. People cheer as Tetra gets on the milk crate in front of City Hall and starts yelling through a green and gold megaphone. The annual grand opening of City Hall is in full swing, and people throw paper streamers over the crowd as Tetra yells. Thank you all for coming. This year's annual grand opening will be emceed by me. Don't forget to put your name in the draw for a basket of moldy blueberries donated by the lovely Magna Connors from his compost bin. You know, I've always wondered, how does she do it? How does Tetra get so much interest in town events? Everyone is here, everyone is excited. There's just something about her that draws you in, which makes you want to come to whatever she's advertising. Maybe she has a degree in marketing? I thought her degree was in textile making. At this point, Sheriff Orion Fairbrook has climbed onto the milk crate and started a chant of bananas in the crowd. He's really riling them up, probably in an attempt to build his resources for the coup he's been planning for years. If there's one way to get Spring Shardians on your side, it's with a chant. 
They love a good chant. At this point, Tetra has pushed the sheriff off the milk crate and has started her own chant of piccolo. The two continue to conduct their chants as the bell in City Hall chimes, signifying that the time has come. There's a loud scraping sound as the water stops flowing from the fountain and the top tier opens up, revealing a marble stand with the perfect bowl top for the time warp. I pull out the azure orb and look at Olita. She nods and I step over the side of the fountain and into the water-filled base. The chanting continues as I pull myself up to the first level of the fountain. Holding onto the next level for balance, I stand on my tiptoes and reach to place the time warp in place. Almost like a magnet, it pulls into place and a burst of blue light sweeps over the square before condensing into a steady stream up into the sky. The chanting has stopped. Terran March! Olita and I turn to look at the source of the shout. Tetra, Orion, and the whole crowd have turned to look at us. Taryn, really, I expected so much more from you, and Oleta betraying your own town. Olita and I make eye contact. This is not good. Oh, yeah? Well, what are you going to do about it? Why are you provoking her? I wanted to seem brave. Was that a good idea? Nope. Taryn, you have to realize that we can't let you do this. Ladies, this is the way of life. You cannot stop it. I may not be able to stop you, but they can. Spring Shardians, toast out. Like a strange, hypnotized, synchronized swimming routine, the whole crowd reaches into their pockets and pulls out butter and peanut buttered toast. Taryn, we need to run. I jump down from the fountain and Olita and I run down the streets of Springshard, closely tailed by an angry mob, brandished with breakfast led by the sheriff and the mayor. Well, at least they're working together for once. The bell over Dottie's chimes as Chrome and I walk through the door. Hello? Dottie? There's no response. She must be at the grand opening. Chrome and I sit down at the bar. It won't be noon for a couple of minutes now. Do you ever wonder what it will be like? What do you mean? After the turn back stops, do you think everyone will remember everything or everything will just go on as usual? I don't know. I don't know what would be better. Knowing life has just been repetitions or never knowing the truth. Yeah, me neither. We wait a bit longer until a cuckoo clock goes off, signaling noon. The tree tower that continually rests on Dottie's counter folds open like a flower and reveals a cup-like pedestal. Chrome and I look at each other before I pull the ruby sphere out of its black velvet bag. As I gently go to place the orb on the pedestal, a sharp wind knocks it out of my hands against the far wall. I'm sorry, you two, but the diner is closed at the moment. Dottie, we didn't realize you were here. Of course. It's my favorite time of the year. A time for new beginnings and starting over. Are you trying to take that from me? Of course not, Dottie. This is for your own good. Oh, Chrome. You're always disillusioned. You have no power here. We drained you of that a long time ago. What are you talking about? You were never going to be good enough for the council. This just proves it. So easy to manipulate, so easy to overpower. But then what would you expect from your clan? With a flick of her wrist, Dottie sends both of us flying against the far wall. She casually walks to the glass jar of chocolates on the counter and pops one in her mouth. 
I've been waiting for your return, June, ever since you broke into the kitchen a few nights ago. Not polite, by the way. Crumb gives me a look, and I discreetly nod. Dottie, you're not thinking clearly. This is for the best. Dottie turns to me, dark curls flipping quickly around her head. Do you even know what's going on here? No, you don't. See, I awoke the minute Taryn re-entered the town. We all did. I've had to play dumb and let you run over your little espionage. She gets closer to my face. Her eyes darken. I wanted to do something sooner, but all Tetra would let me do was bring in a little puppet. A little living puppet. Well, once living. One that we could call to attack when the time was right. What are you talking about? Haven't you ever wondered why one survivor of the turnback came back immediately while the other didn't? Why the stories of survivors didn't match? Why one can- Dottie's monologue is cut off by Chrome, who, while I distracted her, escaped her grasp somehow, and grabbed a silver cookie tray which he hit her over the head with. When Dottie hits the floor, the invisible force holding me to the wall breaks, and I run to the red orb to place it on the pedestal. Once it's on the stand, the room bursts into a red light before condensing into a vertical stream of red light shining out the skylight. Turning back to Chrome, I see him pouring out the sugar dishes around Dottie. What are you doing? I remember now. We have to keep her here as long as possible. This will stall her. Come on, we have to get back. Before we can exit, I grab Crumb's arm. Crumb, what was she saying? Did she mean... A sad look flits over his eyes before they solidify with resolve, and he nods. We have to warn them before it's too late. Hi, this is AJ Robinson, creator of Chronicles of Springshard and the voice of Taryn March. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. If you like this episode and want to know when the next episode is up, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Springshard Chronicle for weekly updates and teasers. Part two of this episode, episode nine, will be up on May 8th. If you like this episode and would like to listen to it even when you don't have Wi-Fi, it is available for download. If you want to listen while looking at a picture of the super cool cover art, you can also listen on YouTube. Check our social media for more information. The awesome music you are listening to right now is by Chaos Emerald on YouTube. Go check out her channel once this episode is done. In fact, if you're listening on YouTube, I'll even give you a link in the description below. You can also check her out on Instagram and Twitter at Emma Joyce Y. The voice of June Hardy was Carly Curtis. The voice of April May was Denisha Ambuani. The voice of Lena, the leader of the Lemonade Gang, was Kirsten Gorman. The voice of Alita Dupree was Marina Kiernova. The voice of Dottie Queen was Olivia Hansen. The voice of Tetra Burns was Haley Holland. Special thanks to Jess Milton, Derek Tiger, and to you listening right now. Now let's stop the turn back.